For the first time in a long time, it's a solo effort this week. I break through everything from the indie ball rankings to dirty laundry to broken down buses. You don't want to miss this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Back again, episode number 222 of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. I'm Nick, and for the first time, and I think probably close to three years, certainly over two and a half years, it is a solo episode. And this is something I'm not really used to doing. It's something I normally don't like doing. Not because I don't think I can't carry a show, it's just I know having a back and forth is way more entertaining than this show has for... Well, about 200 plus episodes been a discussion show and you can't really discuss much with yourself. It's a bit difficult on that front there. So we're going to see where this goes and hopefully it goes well. And uh, at the end of this, we're going to go over the new format because there is a new format. I've been working through it over the past couple of weeks trying to find one that I think really works. And I got two separate ones that I think could really do well and of course always want your input on that as well but before we get to more of the administrative work more of the future planning work we do have to deal with the here and now and there was a lot happening over the past week in independent league baseball everything from last mentioned in the cold open uh laundry issues to gastonia bus issues and of course the indie ball rankings which were mentioned on last week's show with ryan again thanks to him for coming on the show and helping us out again as uh, he is prone to do and we mentioned that we started doing indie ball rankings we'll get into that a little bit later on but we've had an exciting week and i guess we'll kick it off with uh with that gastonia bus issue it is atop my list of uh, topics to discuss this week and essentially what it was was the honey hunters were on their way to charleston west virginia and their bus well broke down a few hours away from the destination that is gomart park and they they had a whole uh, big to do if you go to todd van steensel's twitter page he has a whole thread with videos as to the whole ordeal and explains it very well where essentially Bus had an issue, bus was overheating, bus can continue on, they had to delay the start of the game back, they got some rental cars, and managed to get that team, or at least the starters and a few relievers in case, you know, the starting pitcher had an issue, uh, to the game, and then about an hour later, the rest of the team was able to show up when the bus was finished being repaired, and, uh, you know, naturally, it is a very indie ball thing to happen, it's a very minor league baseball thing to happen, and luckily, they didn't really miss too much. I believe they got there around the end of the first inning, start of the second inning. So not all that much was missed. Although, obviously, uh, when you're a professional uh, athlete, your routine's very important. And that is something that will certainly throw a wrench into any sort of a routine there. And in case you're wondering, Gastonia did wind up winning that game. However, what is interesting, at least very interesting to me, is that's the only game in that series they won. And I say it's interesting because, A... Uh, that particular day, you had one of the best pitchers in this league, and Danny Wachinski on the mound for the Charleston Dirty Birds. And it's also interesting because going into that series, the Dirty Birds had only won nine games. They were 9-23 and 23 entering that series. So they took 
arguably the toughest game in that series, the game where I think anyone realistically would say that if you were to lose that game, you would understand why that would be the case when you're sitting on the road for, you know, about four or five hours and then have to cram into some rental vans and bus up there and all that goes into that. You know, you step up and you deliver a win on a critical day like that. So I, I think that really shows some fortitude on that front there. And as I said, after that win, there's a reason why we voted them number one in the poll. There's a reason why they were the unanimous number one overall team this past week. In addition to having a record at that point that was 24 and nine, I believe at the time, it also was just a very good team, a very strong team, and a team that clearly knows how to win, a team that can really do a lot of damage in this league when you go over a month without hitting double-digit losses in that half. So certainly a strong team in Gastonia, but then to drop the next two to arguably the worst team in this league in the Charleston Dirty Birds is not a great look. It's certainly a, a tough one to swing. And among other teams in the Atlantic League here that are kind of at that bottom tier, you know, Stan Island's had some ups and downs. They saw they added uh, Brandon Pugue today, so hopefully he can help out. He saw he got a home run his first at-bat in Staten Island, so good for him there. Frederick's been up and down. They've had a losing streak there, but obviously they had some issues with Visa players getting in there. They also had that big, what was it, 11 or 13-game losing streak to start the year, and since then they've been playing closer to 500 ball to slightly below 500 ball, so, you know, that's going to kind of handicap your whole season right there. Lexington, you know, just five in a row. We mentioned this a couple weeks back where you could essentially split the Atlantic League first half into really great teams, kind of middle teams, and just really not good teams here. And that's becoming more and more evident. Although I will say Lancaster on a six game winning streak is a bit surprising. They are trying to get themselves out of the basement there. But um, unfortunately for them, they have a Long Island team two and a half games in front of them. That is certainly not playing up to their potential playing just a mere game above 500. That's not the kind of Long Island team you expect. They made a trade early this week as well, getting uh, Phil Caulfield out and McKenzie Mills in. So maybe that will help change things up there because they're not living up to the potential that me, Will, or Ryan, for that matter, anyone in the kind of Atlantic League circles really expected from a team that was running a lineup of six or seven former major leaguers, you know, a team with Daniel Murphy and Lou Ford, as always, and Book Powell, and the list goes on and on, and Danny Hentchevaria, you know, and then you bring guys like Kevin Quackenbush, Chance Sisko, you know, you keep adding on these really talented guys, Brett Candy for a minute before he got picked up by, I want to say the Padres, but I may be mistaken there. But still, a point remains in that that was a team that's expected to do better. They're not quite living up to it, but you have to assume at some point they're going to get up to that point. And then in the north, you have a, a dead heat atop it between the York Revolution, a team that, you know, expected to do better. Nick Riquette really led a charge there for a while, kind of bringing that starting pitching along. And then Southern Maryland, which... All along, we, we've had some doubts about them. Mitch Lampson certainly done well. Daryl Thompson struggled early on. Braxton Lee has been really keeping them afloat batting-wise. Uh, and it seemed like maybe their success was a bit of an aberration. But to this point, they're managing to get through. And realistically, what do they have? Another month? Where if they could just get through this next month, if they can find a way to just finish a little bit better than York, 
it doesn't really matter if it was an aberration or not because at the end of the day, you're at the top of the board there and uh, that's all that matters in this league is that if you win one half, you're playoff bound. So that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Although losing Wylanski uh, to overseas, I believe he was an overseas, he may have been a, a San Francisco Giants signing as of recent, is certainly going to hurt them when they lose their arguably best hitter, if not second best hitter. So we'll see how that winds up working out here because as always, we like to look at the stat page and you look at the stat page and realistically outside of Braxton Lee, there's not too many really solid hitters here. Ryan Hogg is one of them batting about 300, but nobody else really is moving the needle as far as an average size, as far as a get on base type of guy. And uh, you look at home runs, it's Casey Hobson and Corez really leading that charge. Alex Crosby's doing... And some damage there. He's adding some home runs. He's bringing in runs, getting them crossed. But that's not really where their where their strong suit is. Uh, you look pitching wise is really where they're going to have to succeed. And you know, I I guess that's why they felt more comfortable moving on from uh, Mackenzie Mills and not trying to do you know rehabilitate the year for him. You know, not give him more of a leash to figure it out when you need that hitting. Caulfield can maybe help you out with that. Obviously, he's coming in. He's still. And he's still new to this team. He's still trying to get it all together there. Four hits in his first 13 at-bats. That's a good start, but only three games in. So let's see how that winds up working out. Uh, and obviously, Mills is going to get an opportunity in Long Island team that when you look at across the board, as far as team stats pitching-wise, and you go to the team ERAs, they are not, uh, they're not doing great, but they're also not terrible. At a 4.70, uh, it's in the upper half of the league, yes, but it's still not a good number to be at. Realistically, there's three teams that can pitch, and it's High Point, it's Southern Maryland, and it's uh, Estonia there. So when three of the best teams are pitching teams, uh, you could kind of put two and two together there uh, as far as team batting-wise, in case anyone cares to know that. It's Estonia, High Point, and York, so, and then Southern Maryland in at the four. So you could kind of start to see what I mean from that statement earlier and as we were saying in past weeks where you can kind of put these teams into tiers fairly early on and it appears though we have that upper tier of Southern Maryland, York, Gastonia, High Point and then from there it really looks like it's Long Island, maybe Lexington, maybe Lancaster but honestly I, I wouldn't even put the last two in there. I'd say Long Island's kind of this that mushy middle in between and the remaining teams you know your Lexington, your Lancaster, your Stan Island, your Frederick, your Charleston are just kind of in this kind of hanger on tier where they'll have a couple of good players. They'll string together a couple of wins. I mean, Lancaster's case, they've won six in a row. They took some games from the Ducks as well, which is not a good loss to have there. But even still there, it is an interesting position to be in because you, like I said, you have those runs. But at the same time, and you have some players too that do perform. There's a handful of guys on each of these teams that uh, kind of step and perform well. But as a group, as a unit, they're not really coming together. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with a month left to play in this first half, roughly. Uh, I would say at this point, Stan Island's probably out of it. Lancaster's probably out of it. And everyone from Lexington Downs out of this. It's really a two-horse race, I think, in each of these divisions. I would say Long Island's still in it. If for no other reason, then perhaps they could string something together you know, you string a couple of games together, having to look at their schedule real quick here. And you see there is an opportunity. 
uh, York for three games. That's a big series for them. I'd say that's probably a make or break series for this first half. If I had to be entirely honest, uh, it just, if you don't win that series, you're putting yourself in a position where you're really falling behind in them. You got to make up games. That you may not be able to get back. It's Charleston for three. So ideally, realistically, you need those three games back for York for another three, Staten Island for another for three, and then Lancaster for three before Southern Maryland to try and wrap up the month there with a Staten Island series, it looks like, to kind of end that first half. So there are winnable games on the slate there, but there's also realistically three series that are going to give them fits, that are going to give them troubles, and that's the two York ones, which are realistically must wins i would say uh, at this point that's safe to say if they want to stay in this fight and then a southern maryland series where maybe not must win because if you do lose to them you're not losing ground in your division but it certainly is one that you would really like to have if for nothing else than to avoid losing ground that you won't be able to make up Maybe it's a little too late with only, you know, like I said, roughly a month to find three and a half games, but I think that's plenty of time. If you can find a game a week, then you should be fine there. Obviously, other scheduling depends, but that's kind of the lay of the land in the Atlantic League, and I do want to kind of move on to some other areas. We mentioned some other things here, and I'm going to shift it over to the Pioneer League to mention that laundry news, and of course, this comes back to... Our favorite team here with the newest stands, and now they're also able to sell alcohol, apparently. They weren't able to do that beforehand. They got the okay to do that for professional events, so that includes now Northern Colorado Owls Games, because that's who we were talking about, and they had a bit of a problem over the weekend. A game against the Voyagers had to be postponed a bit because they failed to do the laundry. Uh, the home team's responsible for that. Or both clubs on the road, they did not take care of it. They didn't provide the facilities to take care of it. So if you check back to highlights from that game, you will see the Voyagers are playing in wet uniforms and shorts. So uh, it's a very difficult position to be in if you are uh, Great Falls. They wound up, I believe, I believe they won that game, to be quite honest with you. I'd have to go back and, and look at that particular score sheet, but... Uh, it's still just another another mark there. I don't want to harp on it too much because I, I made allusions to it on Twitter as well. But even still, it's just not really a great look to uh, to have these teams not uh, not doing laundry and just minor things like that. I mean, like you kind of expect to have that together, right? Like you're expected to be able to put out clean uniforms you're kind of expected to do the basic things right i believe it's sunday's game where it was a 21 14 final so you know obviously an offensive explosion although in fairness a 15 runs on the great fall side came in the last two innings so that's not a great sign there if you're northern colorado there just as a baseball perspective there uh and you look through it and it's just you give credit to Great Falls for fighting through that, but it's also not the kind of thing that should necessarily happen. It's just, you guys start taking note of this, this is the second real thing, the light stanchion being the first. It just, you know, you have a stigma you have to beat when you're already in Andy Ball and when you're going into a new market and when this is a market that probably is more familiar with affiliated minor league baseball 
you'd like to get off on the right foot. You'd like to do things the correct way. And uh, minor, minor incidents like this are just not great. It's just not a good professional look. I get it. It's still new into this facility. It's still, you know, fairly new getting your feet underneath you for everything here. But at a certain point, you got to start to figure it out. It looks like they are. So I'm not going to go too hard on them. But if we keep seeing, you know, incidents like this start to pop up into July, into August, then we're going to have to start asking questions like, what are we doing here, right? But overall, it is a, it was a thing of note. And it just is one of those things where uh, you don't really ever think of it because it just gets done and it didn't get done in this particular instance. As far as on the field play in the Pioneer League goes, we got 13 of the 96 games played. Some teams got 15. Uh, overall, we're, we're reaching that point where we're starting to get to about a fifth of the way through the year, which it's kind of snuck up on us. But we are having some teams start to figure it out. We have uh, Glacier and Missoula in the north. They seem to be kind of running away with this division. They're within a game of each other, uh, both with 10 wins. Missoula's fault is for playing two more games and losing two more games. But both teams have been dynamite thus far, 10-3 and three and 10-5 and five respectively. Uh, Glacier's actually riding a five-game winning streak here. The rest of the division looks like they're playing for the second half at this point, to be, our, to be honest with you, because Idaho Falls is next closest at 6-9. and nine. They're five back, five and eight. Five back for Great Falls and then uh, Billings. It's just... They're struggling, to be honest, and 1-9 in their last 10, a nine-game losing streak, and they are 3-12 and on the year. That's going to sink you very early on if you can't recover from that, and frankly, it may be a little too late to recover from that already because you got to find nine games just to get back to 500, and you got to hope for a lot of things to go right. So they're probably going to start shifting course for that second half here. Rocky Mountain, same kind of ballpark uh Two and eight in their last ten. Losers of the of five straight. Six games back in their division. Four and ten. They have a bit of an easier pathway back. Yeah, but even still, they got a lot of teams in front of them. A Northern Colorado, despite the issues around the team, is a good team. They're they are actually a very solid ball club. Eight and two in their last ten. Winners of three in a row. Ten and four. One of only the three teams in this league to have 10 wins. So props to them. They are a very solid ball club there. Guys like Henry George are certainly uh, positive additions onto this team. Boise, another kind of surprise team, as well as Ogden. Both 500 in their last 10, but they're only about a game and a half back as well. Nine and six each. So that's something to certainly watch for. Uh, I believe it's pronounced uh, Cots. He's batting 5'11". Now, of course, it's Pioneer League numbers, so you always have to kind of be, you know, watching it uh, a little bit because it's a bit easier to hit out there. But even still, through 11 games where you're hitting over 500, that's certainly going to raise eyebrows, uh, no doubt about that uh, in that regard there. There's other guys that are popping out too, but what kind of jumps out to me is the pitching has been better, to be honest. You have leaders that have... I don't want to call them real ERAs because every ERA is real, but they're regular numbers, not regular for Pioneer League numbers. In that you have a guy like Pintaro over in Glacier with a one and a half ERA. You have three or four more guys that all have ERAs below three: Barrios, Pilot, uh, Patel, and Wendell. Uh, you know these these teams are starting to figure out the pitching element of it, and it's starting to come together a bit. And overall, it's a uh, it's getting to be a lot more interesting, the Pioneer League. It's starting to become a league where 
I think they're really getting their footing underneath them. That's the constant thing we've always said about them on this show. And we've always supported them, even if, you know, at times we haven't really covered them that much because, again, they're kind of out in their own little world there. They do a lot of things right. And they've been slowly figuring it out. They've been slowly getting on board. But it's always been a steady climb upward. So I've never really had too many complaints about the Pioneer League outside of, you know, things like Flow Sports and a, a couple of clubs making some questionable decisions. But overall, as a whole, the league's running pretty smoothly. And just to wrap up on that South Division there, Grand Junction is there too. They're six and nine. They're four and a half back. So they're not out of this yet. But they're going to need a little bit of help. They're going to need some slumps from those teams at the top. And on top of that, I would like to see them start to really string some wins together here. 500 in their last 10. It keeps them from trending water with the teams that are in front of them, certainly. But you need to start making up ground there. And certainly I look at Northern Colorado as well. And that's a team where I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, are they real? Are they not real? And more importantly than that, are they going to be able to kind of start to build out a lead and take some of these teams out of contention here? Because... We're going to reach the end of the first half at some point. It's going to be a minute. It's going to be a little bit of time until we get there. There's still plenty of time before we really are at that front, right? Uh, Because we're only approaching the quarter mark of the year right now. So there's plenty of time left here, and you can't really predict all too much here. But early on, it is something to watch, something I do want to keep an eye on uh, moving forward in that area there. So the Pioneer League had that going on this past week. Uh, as well. Um, I suppose with that already mentioned and getting two of the four leagues out of the way, we'll swing over now to uh, two of the teams that really didn't have too much off the field news, didn't have too much popping up here, and that's the Frontier American Associations. Uh, Frontier League starting there first. Boomers got their first no-hitter in team history a few nights back. I believe it was Thursday night, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Thursday or Wednesday night. They got a combined no-hitter against the Florence Yalls, which is a huge win for them. Keeps them a half game up in that final playoff spot, 25 games into the year. Obviously, they play 96. There's no halves over there. So 25 games, it's just kind of a, a nice little barometer there. About a quarter of the way through the year, a little over, approaching that third of the way mark, something to keep a note on. You know, we can start to look at some teams at the bottom and kind of project who's in real trouble here. A team like Empire State uh, that really never had expectations. Uh, They're struggling a little bit, certainly. I keep an eye on a team like Trois-Rivières. I keep an eye on Ottawa and Windy City, certainly. I think those are teams that they're still stuck in that single-digit win position. They've struggled as of recent. They've struggled overall. I really would like to see them start to pick it up. I don't think it's curtains on them yet, but if we're having that same discussion in a month from now and they're still kind of not making any movement, that's certainly something that I'm going to be watching for, particularly in the Windy City case because it seems like we're already starting to get the oil separating from the water here in that the four teams that are arguably among the best in the Frontier League, I don't think it's really too controversial to say they're all the 14-plus win teams in Florence, Schaumburg, Evansville, and Gateway. Those four teams are just leaps and bounds ahead. They're three games up on the next set of teams in Joliet, Lake Erie, and Washington. We're going to talk about Washington and Quebec in just a minute because that's a series I do want to look at because it's a very important series for both teams here. But 
those those four teams seem to be the four that are early on establishing themselves. Florence scored some big wins against the Wild Things. They scored a couple of games against Schaumburg, and that's going to play out and be important as it goes on. Evansville is battling, I believe, Tri-City, and that was a fairly even series, if I'm not mistaken, there. And Gateway is continuing to be just an absolute tank of a team. 9-1 the last 10, three-game winning streak after losing their last huge winning streak there. They seem to be nigh-unstoppable thus far. Guys like Pete Zimmerman, obviously leading the charge there. Clint Freeman, among other guys. Sam Gardner was there for a minute, but then he got picked up by the Brewers. So uh, we'll see how that affects that team. But overall, they seem to be rolling pretty strong so far through all of that. And we will hopefully get to see that team really start to take off and make some movement. Schaumburg's team you can't ever count out there. And Evansville is always around there too. So that seems to be fun in the West. The West seems to be developing kind of that tier system. Admittedly, Joliet, maybe they can get something going, playing basically 500 balls, same boat with Lake Erie. They're two teams that are going to have to start to figure that out fairly soon. I'm I'm looking at them to try and make some movement there. Uh, over in the East, before we start talking about the Washington-Quebec series, we're going to kind of omit them for now because, uh, as I just said, I want to really dive into that series. In the East, it kind of is more of the same. I mentioned two of the Canadian teams earlier. They're just kind of down there right now. Like I said, they're not out of it, but you need to make moves. You need to start doing something there. You can't be hovering around this area for a while. Uh, Tri-City seems to be trying to get back on track. Six and four, same thing with the Jackals, both within a half game of each other, both of them fighting for that kind of last playoff spot, but there does seem to be, and admittedly it's only about a two, two and a half game gap between them and uh, the Boulders as of right now, but there does seem to be just a quality of play discrepancy. The Boulders seven and three, Winners of three in a row. Granted, that was a series against Windy City. They have the Miners uh, for this weekend, which is a huge series in and of itself, seeing as they're only a half game apart in the standings there. And last I checked, the Boulders were up big on the Miners. I think it was 4 nothing after 4. So that could be a huge series. We could see a real role reversal at the top of the leaderboard there. The Boulders are coming on strong. They're looking good. The Miners are playing 500 ball, which when you are you know, two or three games up on the field, you're allowed to play 500 ball. You're allowed to just not lose ground. Now, that said, I do think the East is a lot more interesting. There's a lot of teams that are still in it. Realistically, you look at the gap there, it's eight and a half games between first and last. And so that, that keeps it more interesting than the nine and a half gap, the eight and a half gap. You know, and it's not like the teams atop the East are overwhelmingly dominant. The Miners had a really nice run to start the year. The Boulders are taking advantage of their schedule currently. The Jackals are starting to kind of, you know, get their feel, get their feet underneath them now. Uh, But they're up and down. They're going to have to figure out the pitching. But the batting's going to keep them alive for a while. Tri-City's always kind of a slow starting team. They like to see what they have, get a feel for it, and then they start to make their run end of June, beginning of July. If they can get that going early June, they could probably get that final spot this time, and hopefully they do. Uh, And then you have the rest where they got to figure it out. And I guess that kind of leads us to the Quebec and Washington series, which in addition to that minor Boulder series is among the most important across the slate, across all the partner leagues. 
this week among the core four, if you would, because both of these teams were projected to be really strong teams. They're the two best teams last year. We looked at them and said these are going to be good teams again, particularly in Washington's case, and they have not really lived the billing. Washington at 10 and 14 loses a four straight, three and seven on the wrong side of what you need to be doing. They're sliding down instead of up. Quebec a little bit better, 500 ball, 11 and 12. Lost the last one. It seems to be a pretty close contest so far tonight. Last I saw, Washington was up 4-3, and looking at it now, uh, it would appear as though it went final as a 7-5 final in favor of Washington. So that's a solid win for them on the wild thing side, and they can manage to pull out a sweep would be huge. But even just taking two or three could really help turn their season around. On the flip side there, you look at a uh, Quebec team that was riding a four-game winning streak. Took two of three from Ottawa. Their only loss coming in extra innings. Uh, then they took two of three from Joliet. Losing on a walk-off Grand Slam the day after winning on a walk-off Grand Slam there. So, next two games are important in the sense of these are two teams that are both kind of trending the wrong way. Both had expectations, both still in their division hunt, but if they have a bad rest of the month, if they have a bad, you know, next 20 days, next 15 games, it could start to really put them in jeopardy uh, at this point. So that's something to watch out for. And Joliet's up next for Quebec. Again, only this time they're going to head out west and they're going to meet up with Schaumburg before coming back home. And then they have a very important series of Tri-City towards the end of the month and then Windy City, Empire State. So they'll have some games that they can really take advantage of it with then Ottawa and Farvier and then back to Empire State. So there is a window of opportunity here, really a whole month, if you would, between Tri-City on June 20th and Empire State on July 9th there, where you could really take advantage of that going into the All-Star break. If you were to tell me that there were to be, say, 6, 8, 10 winners of... About 12 of those games, they were to go about 12 and 5, 16 and 4 in those, say, 20 games. I could definitely see that, and I think that would really help the cause. I would also say, though, if that is the case, we're going to say, oh, they're doing better. They're going to be improving. This is the team we expected here. But the thing to be cautious of is, is it a paper tiger? Because we are playing these bad teams. And then after that, it's really the show-me test where you go to Rockland, then you play back at home against Sussex, New Jersey, and then you start to get those good teams back on the slate there with most of your expected wins, you know, kind of wrapped up and done. So it's going to be an interesting little bit here for Quebec. Losing that game is important to them because this is a team where they match up fairly evenly. They're maybe not, you know, same sides of the coin, but they are in the same way uh, similar in a lot of regards, at least looking at it from afar. In the case of Washington, however, they do have some easy games after this. If this is a series where you take two out of three, this could really be a springboard to turn your season around because you have Ottawa at home, you have Empire State, and you have Joliet. Admittedly, it gets tough after that. You have a Gateway series and then a Rockland series and then a Schomburg series, but you come back with Windy City at home the miners are are also there and i believe they're the last series they have going into the all-star break before they hit the road for florence and then they have some more 
easier opponents as things go along here but if you can go ahead and get some momentum going into that gateway series in about a week or two's time you could really build something you could really have some momentum going into it and that is something that is going to be absolutely critical for them going forward because that is not a division that's out of reach yet there's four teams at the top there you could still slide and be that fifth team if you assume one of evansville schaumburg or uh, florence is going to drop off you can slide right into that spot you can be competing for that last spot in the playoffs certainly and i i don't include gateway in that just because they have such a high lead right now they're doing so well that i wouldn't really expect that uh, so it's certainly something there and in quebec's case if they could go ahead and just manage to get to that easier stretch that 20 game stretch where they could go that 16 and 4 that puts you right back in the hunt it puts you right back in the fight because there's really only two teams that have really wanted to take control of this division arguably those two teams have not taken any control whatsoever because they're still duking it out right now they're still fighting it out and it looks like bomb the ninth is tied at four apiece up there in, at skyland so that's going to be an important series to see how that plays out especially because they welcome the y'alls next week as well uh coming off of this uh boulder series too so this is a big six game stretch for them this is really a, a series where we see what they're made of they have three rivers for three games too, but then it's Evansville and then Schaumburg and then it's Ottawa. Uh, so they they have something to do here. They have some work to do and it'll be interesting to see if they are uh, the team we, we thought they may have been in the preseason, you know, kind of a middling team, or are they the team that started the season? Very hot, good energy. We will see and time will tell on that front there. Uh, as far as individual performers across the league, uh, not too many I want to really mention here. Most of the same guys. Rosario's still stealing bases. Baez is still hitting home runs. Uh, Zimmerman's still doing everything. Both Zimmerman's for that regard. Uh, McCusker doing well also there. So everybody's kind of just continuing with what we thought here. Although uh, Nate Florence is, you know, dominating for Florence. It kind of makes sense. He's uh, got the same name, same spelling as the place. So, you know, it kind of works out there. Uh, in that regard. So I do want to mention him. He's doing very solid. We got three guys in this league with an ERA below one. So uh, we will see how that sorts itself out uh, over time. So and on that note, we will move over to the American Association, the last of the leagues to get to before we can go over the rankings and just some of the air quality uh, discussion I wanted to mention, as well as just some uh, administrative work going over the that new show format as I mentioned earlier in the show here. And I appreciate everybody for holding on for, you know, what's going to probably be about 45 minute to uh, hour long show. Uh, the solo ones I understand are a little bit hard to hold on to. It's a little bit tougher to differentiate when you're just hearing the same voice for the whole time. So I appreciate you guys hanging on. We'll try to keep it moving and keep it entertaining uh, so it doesn't drag all that much. Uh, going to talk about the league itself, though. The American Association, Chicago, wrong way. Milwaukee, right way, both 14 and 10, but Chicago's lost six in a row, not doing good. Meanwhile, Milwaukee, they've only won one in a row, but they are eight and two in their last 10. Had some impressive wins. They beat up on Cleburne a little bit too. Everything looks to be trending that way. Uh, I will say King County, despite not 
having an impressive of a record, 12 and 13. They are getting it together, 3 and 7. Gary's kind of going back to being Gary at 2 and 8. So that's something to watch out for. You know, I, I still have some belief in the Real Cats. They are regressing to what we kind of expected. I like Country's also kind of going back to what they're, they've been over the past two years, but they do look better. I will say that they play tighter games. They played Milwaukee tight. So I give them credit for fighting a lot more. They seem to have gotten that much together at the very least. So small victories on that front there. But as far as Gary and uh, Kane County go, it is going to be interesting to see here because those are two teams also in the wrong direction. They almost mirror the top half of this division with Chicago, Milwaukee. As we just said, they're both pretty much the same records. Uh, and, you know, they. it's going to be interesting to see because even at 12 and 14, they're three games back in a halfless season where you're playing a hundred games and we're only at the quarter mark so we are still got a lot of time to play here we got way too much runway to really say anything about playoffs we're in june we shouldn't even really mention playoffs until we get to july maybe even august really so with the 14 playoff though it's still a lot of runway there but gary's shown a lot of heart thus far they've had a bad june i don't think anyone's gonna argue that so Let's see, can they turn it around, right? Uh, upcoming for them, though, because I do want to mention the Railcats, and we'll talk about Anthony Barone and his squad, friend of the show, Anthony Barone, uh, in just a second here. But as far as Gary's concerned, they're currently uh, in Cleburne, or well, they're in Gary playing Cleburne, I should say. They hit the road after that series uh, for Sioux City before coming back home. So they do have some tougher teams, Sioux City, I grant you they have regressed back down to earth, but still a good team. They've obviously shown potential there. Uh, they have Lake Country 2 next week, so that could be a big series for them. That's a series where, especially if you can manage to get a Cleveland 2-1, even 1-2, just keep it afloat. If you could play, I don't want to say 500 ball, because I think they need to be a little bit better than 500. You can't, you know, do that. But if you could go 4-2, I think uh, you're in a good spot. Uh, granted, you have Fargo-Moorhead, and we'll talk about that whole division in just a minute. But that's going to be a very tough series, especially going out to Dakota for that. And then Winnipeg before coming back from Milwaukee. That's going to be a tough end of the end of the month, certainly there. So we'll see how they get out of this month. I think how they get out of it really is going to influence my opinion on them an awful lot. So uh, let's see how they do, and we will check back in on them in a week or so's time. King County, though, I do want to briefly go in on them and their schedule a little bit here as well and just kind of see who has been leading this charge as of late, right? You know, TJ Bennett's obviously the guy over there. He's, you know, doing it all. He's getting on base. He's hitting home runs. He's hitting for average. He's doing everything you really uh, need him to do as of recent there and uh, among other guys there, uh, Jimmy Kerrigan performing as he does, not on that MVP-like pace that we saw last year, but he is still performing, and Pete Kuzma is performing as well. Actually, Ben has been a little bit down lately. I mean, he's hit home runs last seven days, four home runs. You're never, you're never going to complain about that, but as far as batting average-wise, he's not really been killing it there. It must be a mental uh, shift in approach, but uh, also than your usual suspects, uh, Meyer and uh, Fox really leading the charge on the starting side. Beardsley also has kind of figured it out, which I'm happy for him. He's been bouncing around in the ball for a minute. So to see Tyler Beardsley start to get something together is nice to see there as well, certainly. And then guys like Carter and Pies are 
are doing pretty well out of the bullpen. Logan Nissen, also uh, another guy who's bounced around a little bit. Good to see him doing well also there. And I'm just curious to see if the uh, schedule has helped them in this recent quest. Certainly beating up on Lake Country, four of three of four there helps. And taking two or three from Gary also will help you out. And then sweeping, eh, sweep of Sioux City's not bad. We'll see how they're doing. Oh, they got Lake Country again. And they have uh, Chicago, a reeling Chicago team. That could actually be an important series for Chicago for those keeping track there because they need to start to regain something, some momentum there. So that could definitely be a get-right series for them uh, and to start off the week before uh, before going on to their next opponent. But yeah, it does seem like an interesting week for King County. Didn't do well against Milwaukee. Got blown out uh, a game ago, but they held their own in the loss. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how the uh, how the Cougs hold up here, but overall that is a team that's turning it around. I'll be interested to see what they do. But Anthony Barone and the boys, they have really been putting in some work. Yeah, they've had some. Uh, I guess you could call them easier opponents. But Keem's been a hot team as of late. Chicago's a good team. They swept them. They took on a Gary team that was really feeling themselves and just kind of ended that. Fargo was a problem, and same thing with Kansas City. But I mean. Those are two of the best teams in the league. They're in the same class as Milwaukee. So, you know, you would like to see them win more than two of the six games, obviously. But overall, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, you know, that's unreasonable to drop those series at that point. Uh, I think more if I'm looking at Milwaukee and they're currently beating up on Sioux, Sioux City, uh, not Sioux Falls, uh, 5 nothing. So they have uh, a bunch of games down. At Cleburne, it looks like. So that could be a important little week for them. They spend the week down in Texas. So hopefully, uh, for Anthony Barone and his sake, they can take four or two there and really start to cement this. Because you have a reeling Chicago team against a team that's you know starting to figure it out. You have an opportunity to really start to make some headway in this division. Uh, certainly there. But uh, enough on that East. Let's go to the West. I've mentioned Sioux City more, but they're just kind of doing their thing. They're three and seven, their last 10. Winnipeg's four and six, but they've won three in a row, so maybe they're doing something. Sioux Falls is kind of playing 500 baseball. They're all just kind of hovering around. They exist for now. That's the best way of putting it. They're all within six games. Lincoln's kind of there, but they are surprisingly the worst record in the league at the moment. Seven games back, eight and 15. They need to start making some progress. They want to really get into... uh, any sort of discussions here, but again, two and a half games back at the quarter of the way mark. Not going to really worry about that all that much, but uh, I'm kind of surprised Brett Jody's not really getting more done over there in Lincoln. I would have expected a little bit better out of his squad there, but really atop the board is where I'm interested in. Fargo's up a half game, 15 and 8, 15 and 9 over the Monarchs. Uh, both seven and three in the last 10. It does seem like we are entering an age in the association where there are three or four teams that are just kind of better than everybody else. And it's really Milwaukee, it's Fargo, and it's Kansas City. And they're going to just kind of each take turns win this whole uh, league. I'm kind of fine with it. At the same time, though, you know, you'd like to see some uh, some competition, certainly. But uh, Fargo's just taking advantage of weak schedule a little bit, I want to say. They beat up on Sioux Falls. They beat up on Lake Country. They beat up on Lincoln. They did beat Milwaukee. Impressive, nonetheless. And they they struggled with Chicago. But that was a different Chicago team that they struggled with. So I will give them that much. And 
you know, they they pretty much handled everything that's been thrown at them so far. They do have Chicago again. They're struggling a little bit. It's a 2-1 game as we speak. Uh, but this is certainly an interesting series. But the one to watch for them is the Titans going out of Kansas City. Fargo-Moorhead this week, Tuesday through Thursday. That three-game set in, at, uh, at Newman is going to be very interesting to watch. And then, of course, there's a Sioux Falls series at the end there. And then uh, some other opponents as well as we get into next week. But... Overall, though, that series against Kansas City is going to be very interesting. And depending on how the weekend goes, how Chicago series goes, how, in the case of Kansas City, how uh, the Winnipeg series goes for them, I got to imagine it's going to go well for the Monarchs uh, just off of what we've seen so far. Uh, That series could very well be one that we look back on in August where we go that series made a difference because these are going to be two teams that are fighting for the right to pick their opponent right these are two of the top teams in this league and certainly the best two in the division i know that the monarchs just lost i believe it was jacob robeson uh who is one of their better hitters on the year really their fifth best hitter uh to uh, i believe it was pan am games or pan am qualifier so that's going to hurt them a bit but i mean as long as as long as you still got some of these killers, you'll survive. Herman's had a fantastic year. He's slumping as a reason, but I'm sure he'll hit his way out of it. You still got guys like Keon Broxton doing well, getting on base. You got, uh, I believe it's Dylan Rosa. He's batting over 400, on base over 450. He's not hitting a lot of home runs, but that's what you have Jan Hernandez for, who has two home runs in six games and 10 RBIs in that time as well. So overall, They have some really solid guys there. And even a guy like Justin Wiley, who Jackal fans will probably remember from last year. While he's not hitting well, I think he's only got two hits in the last four games. He's still getting on base a bunch. He's walked three times in those nine games. He's getting on base, what, five times in nine at-bats? So that's pretty solid there. There's guys that even when they're not contributing, they're contributing. And even pitching-wise, I can only say like maybe three guys have not done well over the past week. Hartman, Matson, Bonvillian. Everyone else has really kind of performed as expected. You know, they had some really good performances too. A guy like uh, like Moats has done well. Jeans has done well. Martinson's done well. Miller's done well. Guys are stepping up to performing. So overall, uh, Monarchs are rolling right now. And that's a series I really want to look forward to with them and Fargo Moorhead because they are just kind of in a class of their own right now as far as everything goes. And it wouldn't be fair for me to not spotlight some of the performers on the uh, um, Red Hawk side of things as well. Um, Chiefly among them, Sam Dexter, who was named captain this week of the team, the Twitterless Sam Dexter, named captain of the Red Hawks, their team came together gave them gave him that honor he has responded in kind hitting over 400 hitting two home runs including i believe it was a walk-off winner and then a game tying a shot as well Corel prime continues to be a force going both ways both pitching and hitting john silviano is performing like john silviano does really the whole team or at least the upper half of that lineup is hitting you know, Nick Novak and Leo Pena are slumping a little bit, so you'd like to see them start to get together. But overall, uh, everybody's really doing their job on that side of the ball. And then pitching-wise, it's been a bit more of a feaster fan thing. Alex DuBois struggled a little bit. Uh, Wachowski struggled a little bit. 
Dykov has struggled a little bit, uh, but you know Kevin McGovern's still balling out. Corral Prime, like I mentioned, he's doing really well. You know, five innings of one run ball is always going to be a positive there. McGovern on his front, he struck out 19 in his last 15 innings, got both wins, and then they've had some bullpen guys really performing as well. So overall, right now the Monarchs are maybe a slightly better team, but. They're very evenly matched, and that's going to be a series that's going to be extremely interesting to watch as it plays out this week. So certainly something to watch for in the association. Like I said, with the uh, with the dog slump, it could be a very interesting week uh, for both the North and the East Division, depending on how the Fargo-Chicago series plays out. So on that note, we will switch over to just a couple of the last little bit of things the indie ball rankings the air quality i wanted to mention because there was the wildfires coming in from canada and i noticed that i had a decent amount of players uh just kind of mentioning to me that you know they didn't think they should be playing i noticed a lot of the teams in the northeast the areas mostly affected new york new jersey they were canceling games i know the jackals and the boulders both kind of played through it particularly on the boulder front although they postponed their game then pretty much made it free to attend which I'm not sure how much that helps the players that are playing in questionable air quality. You know, I'm not afraid to call out the organizations when they do some more questionable decision-making. And I think playing through that was an interesting call. I understand why it was made. They they had Windy City in town. Windy City doesn't come back around until they play the minors in July, and it would just make it very difficult to work because it's right out of the All-Star break. So in theory, you could have them play on that off day Monday, but the travel would then be a problem for Windy City and possibly the Boulders as well, because I don't know if the Boulders are even at home and you couldn't really bust them at home. They had to be, you know, going from one road series to another road series. So scheduling wise, it makes it tough to do. So you really want to get it in. So delaying it from a 1030 start to a four o'clock start was probably the best compromise that could really be made, but it was still an interesting thing to mention. I had some guys down in North Carolina thinking they should play, and that air quality seemed to be a bit better. It didn't seem like the wildfires were really bothering it all that much, but still it was something to note. I noticed a lot of the Pennsylvania teams were canceling. York seemed to be more willing to postpone games than Lancaster was. For what that is worth, the Miners weren't home. They were in Ohio playing the Crushers, so they really weren't affected by it. And then the Jackals... By and large, like I said, they had one game, and then I believe they postponed the other, if I'm not mistaken. Looking back through it now, they were playing the wild things. They postponed the one game, and they made it a doubleheader the following day. So that was the right call to be made there. They didn't try to play through it all that much, so they definitely waited it out. But it was an interesting thing to see, because I noticed a lot of guys were starting to reach out to me and kind of go, yo, why are we playing today? We shouldn't be playing. The air quality is like a four hundred when it needs to be closer to 50 so we're way out of safe zone here even like 100 or 150 you could probably get away with but it's still like 380 that's you know over double what it should be so i just want to mention that because i know a lot of players are reaching out about it and it is one of those things where i understand from a team perspective postponing a game hurts financially a lot and possibly scheduling wise depending on who you're playing you know if it's a jackal minor game that gets postponed it's not that big of a deal because you can put that thing back on the schedule somewhere else you can make it work you know if it's an off day travel you can squeeze it in somewhere it it's not that big of a deal but 
if it's, you know, a West versus an East thing, it's very tough to make it work. So I get it on that front there. But uh, I just wanted to make note of it because, I, like I said, I noticed a lot of guys were, were asking about it. So I wanted to mention it, uh, if at all, briefly, but still make note of it. And then, of course, I want to get to the rankings here before getting on to the format talk. And again, I appreciate everyone for hanging in there this week. Uh, trust me, there won't be many solo shows uh, going forward. Uh, you'll see what I mean by that in a little bit. Uh, as far as the rankings go, obviously, it's just for the week of the 6th through the week of the 12th. So this past week, so by the time most people are listening to this, I think it'll be up. Most people get in that 48-hour range, so this will still be you know, relevant. If you're listening from Monday on, so I guess it'd be from uh, the 12th on, uh, it's not really as relevant to you because there'll be a new poll out there for those that aren't aware. Me and Ryan over at Indie Ball Nation, we, we get together, we rank the top 10 teams across off independent ball. That includes the core four as well as the other leagues like Pecos, like USPBL, uh, all those guys, they get lumped in there as well. Although, Admittedly, they have a significantly harder road uh, to getting ranked there, certainly. So uh, we rank them and then we kind of go through it. So as far as the rankings go, before I go through where I had everybody, because I don't exactly remember for each of them, uh, it wound up shaking out as Gastonia at the one, High Point at the two, Kansas City at the three, Southern Maryland at the four, Chicago at the five, Gateway at the six, Fargo at the 7, Milwaukee at the 8, York at the 9, and then at the 10 spot was the Miners, Cleburne, Evansville, Long Island, and Sioux City all dropped out. Sioux City actually went from 3 to not ranked at all, so that tells you the kind of week that they had. And I have a feeling that Chicago is going to suffer the same fate this week because they certainly, barring them really sweeping Fargo-Moorhead, I don't know if I could justify putting them in my top 10. Uh, also receiving votes this week was Evansville, King County, Lancaster, and Schaumburg. I will tell you outright that I was at least a Schaumburg vote. I think I may have been the Evansville vote as well. I wasn't King County and I wasn't Lancaster. I know that for certain because I still saw them as losing records and I have a hard time ranking a team with a losing record. Um, and I did not put uh, Southern Maryland in mine and I don't know if I put Chicago in there. I think I did, but I don't recall. I know that I had Gastonia at my one, High Point at my two. I think it was Fargo at my three. It was Fargo, the Monarchs, or Milwaukee at my three. And then at the four, I had put uh, Gateway. I want to say five and six were the two remaining teams in the uh, American Association. And then the rest kind of was just Atlantic League, York was in at the 7, and then 8, 9, and 10 were all just Frontier League teams. So I believe it was Sussex and uh, Evansville and Schaumburg, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think maybe it was Schaumburg, Evansville, Sussex in that order. I don't recall exactly there, but my thinking of it was the dogs really hadn't done all that much. Southern Maryland, while, yeah, they were fighting for the top at that point in time, they were still second or third, and they hadn't done overly much, so I didn't really put them in there. And I remember after I hit submit, I was like, I probably could have put them at the 10 or the 9, and I just didn't for whatever reason. Everybody else I feel really confident on. I'm high on gateway, so I do want to mention that. I do want to go over the top 10 each week and just kind of give my reasoning for my voting and everything like that. As far as it goes for who I'm looking at this week, who I'm 
kind of planning I'm putting in there that maybe wasn't ranked. Again, Schaumburg, I'm probably going to vote for. Evansville has a strong case as well. Rockland's possibly going to knock out Sussex pending the result here. And then there's realistically in the association, there's three or four teams that deserve to be ranked, probably close to the three. And there's probably, probably three or four teams over in the American Association. I don't think I've, or the Atlantic League, my mistake. Uh, I don't think there's anything in the Pioneer League yet. I could definitely see one or two teams really getting hot and kind of challenging for the 10 spot. But as far as that goes, I would kind of expect my ranking this week to be something like a 3-3-4 uh, like or a 3-4-4. It's not that doesn't make any sense because that'd be 11. So I guess it would be more of a 3-3-4. A would be some combination of that across the leagues would be my guess. Uh, so definitely stay tuned to the socials for that. Me and Ryan both like to post them. So there's that. Uh, as far as that all goes, uh, nearly an hour in. Uh, so I suppose I should go over the kind of the new format, the plan for that. If you're not really interested in this, the baseball talk is done. So you are free to go for the week. And again, I appreciate everybody for sticking in on the solo shows. They're tough to do. They're tough to listen to, I'm certain of. So I don't. Uh, blame you for skipping them i don't blame you for piecing out a little bit early uh but for those that stayed it is definitely appreciated on that front uh so new format here uh the board's still having issues that's why there was nobody on that's why i didn't get a yes because i didn't want to schedule something and not be able to you know record the interview that's kind of a major problem on that front it's a major inconvenience and honestly not particularly professional to ask a guest to record the interview on their end and then send it to me that's not a thing i ever want to have to do so with that said i am uh Getting the part I believe I need. If this one doesn't work, then I can only possibly be one other thing. So then we will switch that out and then get that piece in. Hopefully beginning of the week so that way we can get a guest in for next week. But the plan going forward is to do one of two things. Either shoot for that hour 15 mark or the hour 20 mark. And five minutes may not seem like a lot, but it is a lot. So uh, generally the plan would be for that first, in that first hour 15 minute, uh, version of the show the first 25 minutes would be the cold open like we're used to you know kind of like today go over some of the news stories so that would be things like the gastonia bus the laundry uh the no hitter things like that and then find a series to spotlight so that would either be the fargo moorhead series but versus kansas city uh that would probably be the one for this week or it would be washington quebec or it would be you know the miners and the boulders we'd find a series from the upcoming week so it would be for this week's show, one of the series that takes place between the 10th and the 16th. So that way we could go ahead and preview that. So probably be one of the ones for following week. So at the beginning of the week or end of the week that we talk about. So that way you have something to look forward to. We could go through the really important ones and then kind of do a hot or not section to kind of wrap that up. Pick three teams that are doing hot, you know, good teams, solid teams that are on a hot streak right now. Maybe a Lancaster in the one league maybe Gateway in another league, and then uh, Glacier for the Pioneer, and then to wrap it up, I guess, just go King County to come together talking with those teams. And then talk about the not-hot teams, your Chicago's, your uh, Lexington's, your uh, Billings, and then uh, in the Frontier, I guess Empire State, you know, mention those teams that are not doing so well and really need to step it up. And then after that 25-minute bit, we'd go to an interview for at least 25 minutes. So try to shoot for about a half-hour-long interview there. 
so that way uh, we could kind of mix it up, diversify the content a little bit. You could hear a voice that's not mine uh, for a third of the show at the very least. And then from there, you know, we go ahead and try to get some players, try to get some managers, try to get some of the media people with the teams, you know, the kind of people we get, try to get those guys, incorporate them in so that way we can talk about the teams and maybe it'll be a little bit out of date for talking about on the field play and we do it on like a Tuesday or Wednesday interview that releases on Saturday. Yeah, it'll be a little out of date, but it'll still be interesting. It'll still be relevant. So, you know, that's something that uh, is something to look forward to. So I'd like to do that interview in there. Uh, if the interview bleeds over into that last third of the show a little bit, that's fine. We have that budgeted in to bleed over a little bit. Uh, however, then I'd like to wrap up the show by doing just some basic account keeping, some uh, some tidying up, you know, contract purchases, any notable transactions, and then just hitting the outro like that. So that way you get your baseball discussion, your baseball talk, your news, as well as the interview portion of it. And then just some things you may have missed. So like this past week, we talked about Sam Gardner getting picked up. We talked about, you know, the Phil Caulfield trade, you know, these are things that would be covered in that section there. So that's the hour 15 minute one for the hour 20 minute show. Uh, it would be kind of opening similar. We do the cold open and the regular opening. We do the news and then we would wait on some of the other stuff by going to a contract purchase. That would be your first 20 minutes. That's your first quarter of the show. So we wrap it up with just some more, like I said, account keeping. Some of the more boring stuff, I guess, so the bus, the laundry, and then, you know, make contract purchases. We go into the interview for the next 20 to 30 minutes. So that way, interview is still the same amount of time. And that's really your next quarter of the show. Coming out of the interview, we do the spotlights on the series. We do the hot or not. I'll already explain what that is. That would just basically get bumped down. So we come out of the interview right into more baseball discussion. So that way, if you just want to jump right to the interview, you don't care about news. You don't care about contract purchases. You know that, hey, we could hit that interview and then hit the ground running on all the other baseball talk pretty reliably and do it in that manner. And then coming out of hot or not, this would be a little bit more fun. And something that admittedly it's easier to do when you have a regular co-host because you can kind of do it back and forth with each other, but could still be done and it could get some engagement there. And obviously I want to hear feedback from all you guys on social media at IndieBallPod on Twitter at uh, IndieBallReport on Instagram. Let me hear your thoughts on both of these methods and everything here, but also what you think about this last section where the last 20 minutes of the show would be a section that I call Crystal Ball, which would be kind of projections, you know, project and predict what will happen in the next week of the uh, indie ball season and kind of go and say like i don't know uh pete zimmerman's gonna hit three home runs and bat 420 over the next week and we'll see how those age and kind of reflect back on them and just kind of guess and whatnot and then the last one would be kind of an over under pick them kind of game i like doing over unders i like doing pick i think they're kind of fun and i think you know you guys would like to play along with it. Say like home runs hit in the Frontier League this week over under 15 and a half. Now, that's probably low, but, you know, it'd be something like that. Or for a specific team, you know, Miners play six games this week over or under three and a half wins. For a pick it'd be like, okay, let's go ahead and find three series or We'll go ahead and pick three teams and we'll see who's going to do the best out of it. So pick one team from each of the leagues and 
that's our team for the week, something like that, and try to make it fun and engaging there. So that's kind of the two formats I've come up with. If you guys have other ideas for formats or comments on either one of the formats, a preference on either one, uh, certainly let that be known. I mentioned the socials just a second ago, so you could go there and mention that there. Uh, so if you have any complaints, any comments, or any support for any of them, uh, certainly let that be known there. So I appreciate you guys hanging in with me for the past hour. Let's get these plugs. Let's get out of here and um, continue on with the rest. And hopefully, if all goes well on the technical front, we'll have a fun guest for you next week. Who it is, we don't know, but I can guarantee you they'll be fun. So uh, if you want to find the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can do so on Instagram at IndieBallReport. You can... Also find the show on all major platforms, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, all the major ones, all the minor ones. Rate, review, subscribe. If you're able to, you want to find the show notes to everything we discussed today. If you want to find uh, all the past episodes, past interviews, anything like that, be sure to go to the website, anyballreport.com for that. Uh, we're going to try to get some sort of a live programming going soon as well so be on the lookout for that youtube maybe where that goes so indie ball report podcast on youtube subscribe there if you're not already as well to uh, stay in the loop on that sort of thing and so uh yeah it was a while since we've done one of these solo episodes hopefully it'll be a while again and uh yeah until next time don't forget to play ball <laughs>